And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am joined by the lovely and talented Miss E. Hello. Hello. Cheesemonger, Miss E. I like right? cheese. You do like cheese, and you like making cheese. Actually, I like eating it more than I like making <laughs> it. I'm a, I'm a bad cheese maker because I'll like start something and walk away and completely space on it and come back and go... <laughs> Oh, oops, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, okay, there was that where you burned some the other day. So one of the byproducts of uh, milking is that we have a lot of milk. Yes, and we're getting <laughs> half a gallon a day, and I'm milking the four girls in the morning, once a morning. Yeah, you were doing it twice a day. And, and that then, was just too much milk. Yeah. That was almost a gallon every single day, and I'm like, why do we need this much milk? <laughs> so four of them, once a day, half a gallon, we're good to go, because five cups makes a batch of yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, one gallon I can make a batch of shove. Uh, two gallons I can make a batch of mozzarella. Okay. Two gallons was what I made the ricotta cheese the other day when I when I I went to pasteurize the milk and I forgot about it and it boiled. So I was like, "Well, what can you do with that?" Um, and most <laughs> of the time when you boil milk, it makes the curd not get soft. Not not it makes the curd too soft. Okay. So I was like, well, I'll just make ricotta. Ah. So it's a soft cheese anyway. Okay. So, and you've, you've made feta as well. I also made feta. Um, so that's, so I've made, so I made chevre cheese, which is a soft, it's funny because it's called chevre, but that's just French for goat. So basically <laughs> what you're saying is goat cheese when you say chevre cheese. But it's a very soft, spreadable cheese, almost like, a, I want to say it's almost like a It's a thicker cream. than cream cheese because it's grainier. Okay. But it's not a brie. But it's not like it's not squishy like a brie or a camembert. It's just a soft, spreadable cheese. Yeah, it's like a farmer's cheese. Um, and so I also with that I made a chevre pound cake, which was really good. Which was uh, super dense, really yummy, delicious pound cake. And then I made um, I made feta cheese. Mm-hmm. So, so it's okay. So I we, we need to get into some of this a little bit. Like how how do you make chevre? What's the difference between making chevre? It's cultures and time and temperature. Oh, that's, and that's how all the and how you deal with the what you're doing with the curd. Okay. Yeah. So it's different cultures make different yield different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the addition of other things like lipase or calcium chloride help with uh, other factors. And where do you find c- different cultures? I get them from the New England Cheese Making Supply Company. Okay, so you can actually order just various yes. cheese cultures. Yes, you can get them by the like a five pack of. Chevre culture is like six ninety five or something, but that gives you five batches of cheese, okay. and it's stored in your freezer, and it'll keep up for a year. And then, uh. so they sell not only so not only does the and it's, I think it's New England Cheese Making Supply. Um, they sell little kits, which is how I got started on making mozzarella because I got myself this how to make mozzarella kit mm-hmm. a million years ago. I think when we were still living in Oklahoma. I think that sounds right. Um, and. Um, that you, I mean, you can get the same ones on Amazon from that company, but they're all coming from the New England cheese making supply. So just go ahead and order from the company. Okay. But they also sell all the other stuff you need. They have molds, um, cultures, rennet. They have. Um, What's rennet? Rennet is. Uh, rennet 
is a chemical or uh, something that originally was gotten from the lining of a cow's or a calf's stomach. Okay. And that was like the original cheese-making thing. Okay. Throw rennet in milk and it'll turn into a curd. Uh, okay. So. Okay. Um, And I guess that's what the whole, they probably figured that out with storing milk in stomach bladder containers. Right. Right. Because yeah. they would use organs, empty them out, and put stuff in them. And then they're like, hey, our milk turned into something <laughs> solid. What the heck? Hey, it's edible. Okay, we'll do it again. Give me that cow stomach. I don't know how they figured it out. All right, so the, so the feta has something to do with their salt. The, the feta is highly, is a salted cheese. But okay. again, it's just, so you start off with curds, um, you let it drain, and then you cut it into squares, and then you heavily salt it and let it sit for four or five days. Okay. So with the, the salt. So with the feta that you made, you turned around, and then you made spanakopita. Yes. I mean, which is for people who don't, it's, it's, um, it's basically a Greek pie made with uh, phyllo dough. Yeah, so really thin layers of the phyllo dough, and then spinach, uh, and then garlic. It's spinach, little garlic, onions, scallions, and the feta. Okay. To me, it's almost like a pastry lasagna. Yeah, kind of. Right. But it's not like, it's just like eight layers of phyllo with butter on each layer, and then it's the cheese um, spinach thing, and then it's eight more layers of phyllo with butter. So it doesn't, it sounds like, wow, that's a lot. But a, a, a piece of phyllo is thinner than a piece of paper. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about paper thin pieces of d- pastry that you're laying down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, it's really easy to do, and you buy that frozen, so it's not like you're making the phyllo dough. Right. So they sell it in your, most of their time, it's in your grocer's freezer next to the puff pastry. I thought that was really, really delicious, the spanakopita that, that you made. Super yummy. Um, and then recently, like I said, I overcooked the two gallons of milk <laughs> that I was going to use to make mozzarella, so I made it into ricotta cheese instead, and then I used that to make a ricotta and bittersweet chocolate tart. And that's for dessert today. Yeah, you've had some of that. I have not had some I've yet. I've made it before, too, because that's one of those uh, Bunko things I used to make. Oh, okay, when you would go to the Bunko games every month. Yeah, back in the, back in the old back in the Back hood. in the suburban days. Back in the suburbs. <laughs> back when I lived in that hood. So, um, so yeah. how how is the... It's delicious. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a butter crust... Um, Can you taste ricotta cheese? I mean, I think of like... It's kind of like a cheesecake with chocolate topping. Oh, okay. Okay. Because the ricotta cheese, really, the there's not even any eggs in it, the filling. It's just ricotta cheese, some confectioned sugar, a little bit of vanilla, and, I, and a little bit of cream. Huh. And I added a little bit more cream because my ricotta cheese is way drier than a store-bought ricotta cheese. Oh, okay. So I just added a little bit more cream to make it a little bit easier to spread. So you par-bake the shell, and then you bake it with the cheese filling, and then you let it cool, and then you put this dark chocolate ganache mm-hmm. and i used the chocolate bar from my dad yeah the dark chocolate yeah yeah missy's dad sends her like five pound it's, blocks of chocolate it's a four pound chocolate bar every year for christmas it's dark chocolate from he gets it made out of one of the people who buys his cocoa makes chocolate bars so he gets it he also just gets a special order so just as an aside you know like i know that i'm kind of fluffy but when you hear this, when you hear the temptations that are made in my house every day, and then you hear that just, you know, uh, uh, occasionally a four pound block of dark chocolate will arrive. <laughs> I think I deserve at least some credit for not needing a scooter when I go to the grocery <laughs> store. I, I, 
<laughs> I suppose you could always use the elect the, the little wheelchair thing they have there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there. I think I deserve some credit for yes. being upright. My knees are in good shape. I'm a little fluffy, but I'm not like super fluffy. <laughs> well, you're not as fluffy as fluffy. Exactly. Sure. Right. And I think considering the temptations that are set beside me and before me on a daily basis. But you're going to like pretty it. good. This like, is like the this is like the the equivalent of six pack abs. Is it? Well, living in this house. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, it's it's yummy. Um, but the, it's like I said, it's it's kind of like a, a, a cheesecake top with a chocolate topping. It's but it's a chocolate ganache, um, and the cheese filling. It's like a tar, it's like a it was supposed to be made in a tart pan, but I didn't have a tart pan, so I used a springform pan. Um, um, so it's pretty decent amount of, it's probably about what, an eighth of an inch? Yeah, about a, a quarter of an inch thick of mm. the, the crust itself. And then the filling itself is probably a half an inch. And then there's like another, you know, a third of an inch of the chocolate topping. So it's a, it's a thin little tart, but it tastes really good. <laughs> That's what he said. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a couple more questions uh, re- re- regarding the cheese before we move on to another topic here. Um, keep in mind that I'm going to you're, you're going to be grading on your curve here. But on a scale of one to ten, how hard is it to start making cheese? Oh, it's super easy to make the fresh cheeses. Because, like like chevre or yeah, whatever. Because basically, you're just get it to a certain temperature, add the culture, sit, wait. Okay, so this is when you when you tell people Legion every week make stuff. This is an easy stuff to make. I mean, you can make you can make fresh farmer's cheese out of um, or ricotta cheese for that matter out of whole milk and lemon juice. You're blowing my mind here. It's, well, that's what I learned that in biology class. And then it really is ricotta cheese can just be made with whole milk. And in this case, it was uh, a little bit of um, citric acid and some rennet. But okay. you can also just do, use lemon juice. But lemon juice and milk will get you a cheese. Okay. So, now, so if you are a cheesemaker, I would love to uh, hear from you. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, you can also use the hashtag 40acresandafool on Twitter, or you can just tweet at me, Cam Edwards. Uh, and on Instagram, it's at Corny Goat Farm because we make it really confusing. We just like to spread you know different names around. We're, all, each we're and every throwing place. everything all over the place. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, but the thing is, is I only make fresh cheeses. I'm not making an aged cheeses. The only aged cheese I've done so far is, I guess if you can call leaving feta in the refrigerator, sitting <laughs> under salt for five days, aging, um, and then. But it's still a soft cheese. But I'm making uh, so I made ricotta, and then I stuffed some into a cheese mold, and I pressed it for a little bit, and that's called that's going to be a ricotta salada, s a s a l a d a. And so salada. every day I've been taking it out of the refrigerator. I've been rubbing it with cheese salt. And you do that for a week, so that'll be ready to eat next Wednesday. And is that something that you just then slice? And it because it's slice pressed, it, but it's it's pressed, but it's still like a soft, softer kind of cheese. Okay. So okay. we'll see how that turns out. I am looking forward to so it. That's another quote unquote age, but I can't. I haven't had any luck with aged cheeses. I really don't have a, a dedicated place where I could control the temperature and humidity right. for aging cheeses. And the couple of times that I've tried to do the shortcut aging with the um either vacuum sealing it or uh coating up in the plastic wax stuff and throwing it in the produce thing i ended up with 
stuff that the pigs ate, um, <laughs> but I couldn't stand. Oh, so. look, you made blue cheese. Well, it wasn't blue cheese. It was just nasty, hard as a rock. It was supposed to okay. be Monterey Jack, and that was four months. Like, it had to age for oh, four wow. months, and then you found out it was shit. Okay. Poop. <laughs> Whatever that bleep was. It was cr- it wasn't good eats and it went and I just threw it out for the piggies. Alright, you ready for the world's best segue here? Yeah. Since you just cussed and something that's not good eats, when you wash your mouth out with soap. And even if you use goat's milk soap, it's still not gonna taste good. But we've also made goat's milk soap we right. did that for the first time yeah so. doing stuff for um like you said using a milk that takes six cups so to make a batch and it was supposed to make uh think eight pounds of soap or 32 so many bars i don't know how many bars mm-hmm. i got i got a lot of little bars but yeah for the first time and it was not so little funny. bars regular size bars. well yeah but you know i didn't make up like i'm not counting like a loaf of soap right i can't, I can't think of how many pounds i got it's all dry it was right about now. eight but yeah probably um, but yeah, for all the hype and everything I was reading about the house burning down and dying of, you know, insufficient ventilation. Because we're using lye. Possibly, yes, because it's a cold processed lye soap with the saponification when the lye meets the fat, yada, yada, yada. But everything with the milk, oh my God, it'll curdle, it'll burst into flames, it'll, it'll you know, turn <laughs> into burnt sugar and... Yeah, no, that didn't happen. It's was perfectly fine. Which was good. I yeah. mean, like it could. It could but have, it didn't because but everything we're, was like, wow, we're every, awesome. everything is going just as it should be cuz I <laughs> so I had um, read a couple of different stories about how you use goat's milk and even though the recipe I said had you put it in the sink in a vat of ice cold water and try to mix it there. Another place said, just freeze it and let it turn into slush and then sprinkle the lye over that and just keep mixing and it'll just, the heat of... Man, this is really awkward. I mean, you've had you've had the curse word. I forgot to turn my phone off. Oh, we're such bad podcasters this week. That's well, awful. Yeah. But good soap makers. Yes. Uh, all right. So the one thing that you were concerned about, so you talk about the cold process lye and you got to have the milk frozen or at least slushy right you freeze it and then it's a slush yes right and that's when you put the lye in and the this starts to heat up the milk fat and so you're stirring it very slowly as the slush turns into this cream and then you add uh, you added glycerin you added 40 mule borax we added um yeah sugar glycerin and borax right after we added the uh all the oil because first it was the oil, and then going through with the sick blender. That's right. Yeah, and you're yeah, that's right. So you added the oil. Was that olive oil? No, it was not oil. We didn't add the oil to the lye water. We added the lye well, lye milk. We added the lye milk to the oil, and then we added the borax, sugar, and glycerin. And it was a mix of different fats. It was shortening. It was vegetable shortening. It was extra light olive oil, and it was safflower oil. Okay. So, yeah, so it turns into this, like, really fluffy pudding pudding thing that, that all of a sudden starts to, like, it feels like it's getting hard, like, right away. Yeah. It does it because it has to cure for eight weeks, but yeah. but it definitely firms up. Uh, and so then you poured it into the molds, set into the molds. And you're a little concerned at one point because one mold looked like it was getting darker, and they do get darker as they dry. Yeah, but this was, there was the something that I had read about, so... You, when you don't use milk and you do this, what's called cold process soap making with the lye, 
a lot of times what you do is right after you pour it, you actually will cover up the molds with blankets and you'll insulate it to try to keep it warm to so that it it does this thing that's called a gel phase. Okay. I don't know enough about soap making to remember what that means. Okay. But I didn't. I knew I didn't want to do that with my milk soap. Okay. Because the excess heat would like caramelize cause the milk sugars to caramelize and turn the soap brown. Okay. And that's what I think might have happened. Even though it, we didn't put it in any extra insulation, I just think that with the thick plastic mold mm-hmm. and a, it being a big bar. That bar, that cut up is darker than the other loaf. Okay, cut but, up. But, but they're not dark brown by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's no, it's like the color of really light peanut butter. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, peanut butter. Cup of coffee with like you know a lot of milk, a lot in, of it. milk in it. Yeah. yeah, like half milk, half coffee. Right. It's really pale. It's really really pale, and it's got a like it has to sit for six to eight weeks. Um, so it, it's to finish the process of the saponification, which is how the, which the it's the fat and the lye. It's the chemical reaction between the fat and the lye that actually creates the soap. Um, it's so that the bars are harder and they will last longer. Mm-hmm. And it's also so that the I mean, you could probably use the soap without hurting yourself in a week, but it's better to let it age because of the lye. Okay, so. So in about uh, eight weeks or so, look for uh, first batch of goat's milk soap. Yeah, uh, available at the On corny the goat store, store right? Corny, corny, corny goat, goat crafts. crafts. Corny goat yeah. crafts. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to call it you know something silly like small batch soap or small, small batch, batch organic goat's milk <laughs> soap. I don't know if it's organic. I don't think we can say organic. I think I use Crisco. I'm pretty sure Chris well, organic not, goat's milk. Well, it is organic goat's milk. It doesn't yeah. mean that we're not calling it organic soap. No, it's that's organic true. goat's milk. Oh, soap. That is that. <laughs> but it was pasteurized. I don't know why the directions say to pasteurize it and then freeze it. I don't know. I don't either. I'm just like none of the other. But it worked, so yeah. I'm not going to question the workage part. I don't know what. But so anyway, on Etsy, about eight weeks or so, and you've still got uh, booties. You've got a hat up there, and yeah. uh, but I think with the bars of soap too. I remember uh, I had a. A knitting secret, I don't know, secret friend kind uh-huh. of thing. And oh, yeah. And each other little things mm-hmm. or got each other like knitting related things. And one time I made a, it was like a soap holder slash washcloth. Yep. And basically it was like a pillowcase for your bar of soap so that you could just hold on to it, put the soap into it, and also have a way to wash yourself. Yeah. So I was thinking I'd probably make some of those to sell them with the bars of soap and all of a sudden, you have a Christmas stocking stuffer. That's perfect. So you should, you should figure out how many bars of soap we're going to sell, and maybe you know a third of them sell with the uh, with the washcloth. Yeah, I just got to see. Yeah, I've got some cotton lying around. I'll just go ahead and start knocking out a couple of prototypes and see what they look like. Okay, uh, but it's right now the, the the prototype batch that we made was uh, plain old soap. Yeah, no, 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 scents, no stinks no, or anything like no that. No special stinks, no special <laughs> fragrance oils or essential oils to cure, you know, any random affliction that uh, you think they'll cure. But this is, we just wanted to make sure that we could make soap. So yeah. it'll be good for anybody. But I've also heard that it's it's good for people. Now, I'm not, this is not a cosmetic claim. This is not <laughs> verified by the, the FDA or the FBI <laughs> or the CIA or the AFL CIO or whoever's got to do stuff. Um, but apparently, uh, goat's milk soap is good for people with skin issues. 
I've heard that with like eczema or eczema. stuff like that. Yeah. So there you I go. guess it's softer and creamier or whatever. That and if the goats eat poison ivy, uh-huh. then their soap will make people less inclined to have it or something. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember what the correlation behind that was. But apparently if you wash with it, it helps, it helps the itchies of poison ivy. Man, we have so much poison ivy around here this year. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You need to put all the girls on a leash and just take them to the plots. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I keep seeing them everywhere because I'm the one that ends up mowing the yard. So I'm like, oh, we got some there. Oh, we got some there. We've got it everywhere. I know. And we've actually got some Roundup. But, you know, part of it is I don't like spraying the Roundup around the house because of the chickens. chickens. You know? And the goats, when they get out, they like to nibble on all the stuff that's around. Right. So it's like one of those. So maybe I do need to just. Get some goats out on leashes and yeah, just walk should. them over. They have all they all all the girls, all the mommies have the collars on. Yeah, all right, we can do that too. So, oh, speaking of uh, goats, um, the goats are back uh, for a couple of weeks. Yeah, from the summer ones we're camp. doing summer camp at the at Farmville or at home. the uh, at the Virginia Tasting Cellar. They'll be back, and actually, there are going to be some babies, uh, some more babies coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, last time I went to check on them, they had pretty much eaten everything down. So I was like, well, you know, let's just go ahead and move them home for a couple of weeks. Let stuff start to grow back. And, yeah. Uh, and then we'll, we'll move some babies out there. So they've been very, very popular on social media. Uh, you can follow Charlie's Waterfront Cafe or the Virginia Tasting Cellar on Facebook. And they were posting all kinds of pictures. And when we went to pick up the goats, as we're walking through the Virginia Tasting Cellar, ladies like, uh, ladies are, you know, multiple ladies. Oh, let me click it up at the goat, up at the goat. And oh, are you taking him home? And yes, but we're coming back. And oh, well, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. You know, there are tourists there. They were just loving the goats. So. Yeah, people are. If you owned goats, you'd be like, "Why are you this weird about a goat?" Like, <laughs> okay, it's a goat. It's like, it's like having an annoying dog cat. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I like the goats, but I don't interact with them as on a on a up close and personal basis like you do with the milking every day. I do have to say that I love the gate. Oh yes. So this is the latest addition to the farm. I think we talked about this last week that we had just ordered the gate. I don't, yeah, we we had, but we had not had not had yet had arrived. Music, but yes, but um, yes, the gate is awesome. The gate is also available from the same people we got our electronet from, but Premier it's newer. Premier One um, works with your existing electronet. Works with your existing stuff. You can get a seven foot wide or a twenty something foot wide door. Wow. I guess if you wanted to open up a gate to get trucks in and out. Okay. I don't. I just need to get one goat in and out at a time. Yeah. Because if not, then they all try to get on the milking sand all at the same time and are stupid. Um, or they just have bad. Some of the girls just have really bad <laughs> manners. So I had to take uh, two first. Because they will beat each other up trying to be first. So one of the other two of them has to be either Fern or Freckles has to go first or second. And then I can take Franny and Twilight. Because they'll just sit back and go, okay, take the crazy ones first. We'll just wait our turns. Jeez Louise. Like, it's not going to be there when I get there. Right. And so uh, Toffee, uh, who was down at the Virginia Tasting Cellar, she is the one who had the mastitis. And so she can't be milked. She can't have many more kids. She's she's done. But uh, she was apparently a very popular tourist attraction. And, uh, oh, good. Well, she's a cute. A little local celebrity. She's very cute. She's cute because she's uh, her mom is Sainan Nigerian dwarf, but her dad was Nigerian dwarf so she's 
she doesn't look like a Nigerian dwarf. She kind of looks like one, but you're like, there's something else about her. But she's big and polka dotted, so she's a cutie. We also have uh, good news from the garden. I, so I think it was last we were talking about the cucumbers. And we were a little concerned because they were yellow. They weren't. There were some that weren't turning green. Well, it turns out that we were funny and we thought, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be cool to have yellow pickles? So we're the ones who <laughs> ordered the yellow because we're eating them like... Yeah, these are fine. They don't Cause taste Because you, you pulled one, and it was probably too early. It probably was. And so you said it tasted really bitter. Funny. And that's that, that there is an issue with cucumbers where they can get a disease, basically, and they'll turn yellow. And they're bitter. And they're bitter. And so we're <laughs> like, oh, no, why did this only happen to half of our cucumbers? Well, again, we had ordered the, the yellow, almost yellow-orange Yeah, and they have to turn really orangey before they're done. They're almost like a cross between a orange and a pumpkin they're so yeah yellowy orange they remind me of the color of the yolks of our eggs yes very much that um and so they're a pickling cucumbers i mean you can eat them but they've got a really thick rind so you made two jars of pickles yep, today right on the counter i'm just doing the the five day ferment type of quick pickle yeah we've probably got uh, another two jars worth maybe three that are still on the vine but uh as missy reminded me tonight cucumbers are not indeterminate so they they grow and then they go they're, they're done so yep. yeah, we'll pick these and we'll reuse the bed for some sort of winter vegetable. I, mean, I guess we could always plant more or cucumbers. We could just plant bok choy or something for yeah. kimchi and stir fries and. Yeah, we're talking about we're we're getting ready to start our fall planting. Um, I'm going to put Brussels sprouts into the ground next week. They're about a 100 day crop. And apparently the first frost actually sweetens them up. Okay. So it's better if you pick them after the first couple of frosts. Oh. So you don't want to plant them too early. early. Okay. Right. You didn't so, say that earlier when you were talking about when to plant them. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at mid to late October for first frosts. And it might even be later than that. I got to look and see what it was. Like the first or second week in November. Yeah. So... Probably in the next two to three weeks, maybe plant the uh, the Brussels sprouts uh, okay. and maybe spread it out. Maybe plant some you know, yeah, a little just bit to, earlier. Yeah, just to space out, like do some in a week and then do some two weeks later and then see what works better. I've got two smaller beds to, to do that with. We pulled out, I pulled out the rest of the, the beets, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good. I, it's not a big enough space to grow beets because... No, it's you just know, too crowded. For you eat them. a lot of beets. I mean, you in order to eat beets, you, yeah, you have you to grow just, a lot of beets. Yeah, because a <laughs> right. serving of beets is like seven. Right. So I grew, I grew four, about five. three servings worth of beets right. in this little <laughs> cold frame box. Exactly. So I'm like, as they're coming in, I'm like, this was not as good an idea as I thought it was no. going to be. Um, and then one of the cold frame boxes that I had planted carrots in. I don't know what happened because the carrots just never really took. They 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 sprouted, they grew, and then they just kind of stopped. I think the problem was is that in the earlier in the year, the the foliage in front. I think that tree. Oh, the big tree. The, the tree that's kind of in there. I think it, that one box is at the end gets too much shade later in the day. Okay. And it's just not getting enough sun Probably earlier in the day from yeah. the angle. So I think that's that's just all that was. All right, so I have to plant something with the, like shade. So something there. like yeah, maybe some spinach or some lettuces for now. We do baby, have that baby bok choy, maybe or the baby bok choy. We do have we did buy that lettuce mix that we can probably throw in. Yeah, that's true. For we now, did do that. Yeah, um, but the best news from the garden this week has been the fact that we have tomatoes. We, we do. have the first tomatoes of the summer, and it's early July. We got our first tomatoes before Independence Day, and yes. they'll keep going until the first frost. Yeah, we've got. It looks like um, 
Hartman, no, Hartman's. No, no, it's Sun Golds. Sun Golds and some other little red cherries. I can't remember. We have two different. We got. We well, got we the, had a couple of different types. Yeah, I got to go back and look and see what we planted. But uh, we've got three different varieties of cherries, all cherries yeah. right now that are ripe, ripening. Uh, we're getting maybe you know a dozen a day, so it's still very, very, very not a lot of tomatoes in in two weeks. I did see we're gonna be getting dozens a day. I did see a little bit of red on aroma. Oh, yeah? Or a Marzano. Okay. Yeah, and I saw beds. a little bit of red on one of our slicing tomatoes, too. Ooh, so Yeah. Right? So I, I'm super excited. I love when the tomatoes come into season. And it's... But I love it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do with all these tomatoes? <laughs> but that's when you just start throwing them all in a big pot and making them into sauce. Exactly. So, gotta see go. what the Got to see what the rules are about selling tomato sauce. Uh, the same as if everything else, as long as it's been pressure canned and it says that this has been prepared oh, in a blah, 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 blah. facility without blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know if we Because our friend sells bread oh, okay. at the farmer's market and that's, she's got one of those standard stickers on it. I don't know that we could uh, do that with the, uh, with the uh, Etsy store. Probably can't sell food. No, I don't think you can sell food on Etsy. It's mostly handmade, other types of handmade things. I did create a, a Patreon, uh, so maybe that can be one of our, our membership tiers. We can have the tomato tier. <laughs> and, you know, you, uh, you, you donate X dollars a month. Ketchup. <laughs> and you get you get a little, to- well, you can get a little jar of homemade ketchup. You get a bigger jar of tomato sauce, and then uh, that could be the tomato tier. You're giving mm-hmm. away my tomatoes, man. <laughs> you just said, you're in about two months, you're going to be like, what do I do with all these tomatoes? I know. And I know. we, you, you make more sauce than we can eat. No, no. We've made. What did I make last year? I made end up making. I had a, a section of floor defense completely collapse under the weight of like I don't know twenty pounds of green Marzano, <laughs> San Marzano uh, tomatoes. Yeah. So I made some green tomato chutney. Um, I've made ketchup, honey, yellow tomato butter, um, tomato sauce, tomato paste, which has to cook for flipping ever. And right. I splattered it up on the ceiling, I think, at one point. <laughs> um, and then we'll have them not cooked. So one of the things I like to do with the homemade cheese that I make is I have a really yummy buttery pie crust recipe that I put freshly cracked black pepper in mm-hmm. along with grated Parmesan. And then I'll bake it and then I'll put a schmear of my homemade ricotta in the bottom and then I'll put tomatoes that I've sliced little cherry tomatoes that I've sliced in half and put them cut side down in the in this tart and made a fresh tomato tart and then put a little bit of olive oil and salt oh I remember that pot. yeah yeah that's good so that's so I know how to use up all these tomatoes right and then some of those the juliettes which are kind of like uh they're kind of like long oval Grape tomatoes. Mm-hmm. They have a slightly thicker skin. But they're also paste the tomatoes, right? No, no, no. Juliet's. No? They're grapes. They're only oh, this okay. big. Um, but they're long. Instead of being around, they're right. like an oblong. They look like they could be a tiny baby paste tomato, but they're just a grape okay. version. Anyway, they make they, they pickle really well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. For pickled tomatoes? Mm-hmm. Because the 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 outsides are a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. You pick, and especially when they've been in the fridge for a couple of months, you pop them in your mouth. The whole thing just. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's All right. Dumb. So patreon.com slash Cam Edwards and uh, <laughs> I'll try to create the tomato tier. We'll, we'll see if we'll see if we can make this work. Yeah, we cannot give away uh, 
go, we can't do goat's milk cheeses because um, for the most part, if I don't, if I'm cooking, I'm not pasteurizing. So it's technically it's considered raw it's still milk. considered raw milk, even though it's heated up to a you know, right. 90 degrees or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the only way I would be able to give to sell, give people cheese if it was aged in excess of 60 days. And I can't make an aged cheese right now to save my life. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't get any cheese. That's okay. We're going to work on that aged stuff. We got to just figure out a way to get a cheese cave going. <laughs> so there was actually a, uh, a thing that I saw this week that I wanted to talk about uh, a news story, not, a, not, not just a thing. Um, this was actually, I, so I saw a tweet about this. I don't usually frequent the website mother Jones, um, because it is not my politics, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. Um, but Kevin drum had a, uh, a piece and he had tweeted it out and I saw a retweet of it and it's called, this was July 3rd, uh, 2019 millennials love the burbs part two. And I think that Kevin Drum got this story really wrong. Uh, he's looking at a, a Gallup survey, 2018. Where would you prefer to live? He's looking at millennials, mm-hmm. 18 to 29 year olds, right? Um, 17% of them said they wanted to live in a big city. 16% said they wanted to live in a small city. 28% said they wanted to live in the suburb of a big city. 11% wanted to live in the suburb of a small city. 10% wanted to live in a town. And 18% wanted to live in rural areas. That's pretty decent. That's like a fifth. It's the it's the second most popular choice for millennials. Huh. That's surprising. Behind suburbs of a big city, right? Well, so here's something that's even more surprising. Among every other demographic... 30 to 49 year olds, 50 to 64 year olds, and those over the age of 65. Rural areas were the most popular choice Hmm. by far. Uh, Among those aged 30 to 49, 27% picked a rural area, 24% picked the suburb of a big city, and then on down from there. Among those 50 to 64, 31% picked a rural area. Uh, The second most popular choice for those between the ages of 50 and 64 was uh, the suburb of a big city, 18%. And those over the age of 65, and this really surprised me in a way, 31% said they would prefer to live in a rural area. The next most popular choice for those over the age of 65 was a small city, 23%. And, and, you know, there are some drawbacks mm. oh, yeah. to living in a rural area, particularly as you get older. Uh, Health care is yeah. harder to find. Um, if you lose your independence or you're less independent, it can really be hard to find caregivers. Yeah. Right. And so that really surprised me, A, that those over the age of 65 really wanted to live in a rural area. Yeah. But it really surprised me that, I mean, again, among every age uh, age group over over the age of once you hit 30 that's the most popular place of where you would choose to live now obviously that's not where we do live right i mean you and i right. but you know we are becoming a more urban society yeah and it just really struck me that you know a the story is not that the suburbs are, are popular I mean, we've kind of known that yeah it's that rural areas are so much more popular than big cities so, I mean, it, it, listen to this for a second. Um, and let's just go with uh, those between the ages of 30 and 49. 13% said they would choose to live in a big city if they could. 27% said they would choose to live in a rural area if they could. Wow. Twice as many 
people say they would choose to live in a rural area. I wonder if it's all those farmers only dot commercials <laughs> make it seem so nice. Uh, and again, 50 to 64 year olds, 31% said they would choose to live in a rural area. 9% said they would choose a big city. 17% said they would choose a small city. Uh, 18% said they'd choose the suburb of a big city. 12% what, what suburb of a small city. Again? 50 to 64 okay. year olds. And uh, 12% said a town. 31% said a rural area. That's that, pretty good. That is pretty good. You getting sleepy? You're, all these statistics, I'm just like, okay, that's enough, that's enough facts. Try to right? visualize this. Well, all I'm saying is it really... A lot of people want to BS. This, I think that that is the case. And I also think that, you know, that speaks to maybe the popularity of urban gardening or, you know, those, those ways that you can try to connect um, to the things that make a rural lifestyle so appealing mm. even if you don't live necessarily in rural areas right you try to get there as as often as you can you try to visit those places you try to uh garden even if you know on your balcony uh if you've got one or maybe even you know in indoors if you uh, can't do that but I, I i think that there it also strikes me that if this is what people would choose to do why aren't we talking more about that? <laughs> because everything that, you know, we see society doing is sort of pushing us towards having to move to a city yeah. or a suburb and living in, you know, a tiny house or a, uh, you know, a, 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 a quote unquote, uh, uh, like the town centers, okay, right? Those places. Right. And, and apparently we don't really want that. At least not many of us do. No. So, I, this is something that I kind of want to start exploring here on 40 Years and a Fool um, on an ongoing basis. What are some of the drawbacks? What are the things that are holding Americans back from moving to rural areas? Probably lack of jobs. Lack of jobs is one. Absolutely. And lack of internet. If you have, like even yep. me, thankfully I'm just a documentation person. So that's actually going to be next week's little discussion about that. There's oh. a, a story I read just the other day from Digital Trends. Uh, can 5G fix America's rural broadband woes? Well, so far, not really. We well, 5G supposedly... is not really rolled out. We're at LTE. Oh. 5G is the next step up. I thought our HughesNet 5G no, 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 was no. a 5G thing. No, it's not. It's satellite. Well, they anymore. have a 5 on it. Right, I know. But it's not. It's like fifth generation. It's not the 5G. 5G is... is, is so 5G is wireless, uh, not, not internet. Okay. And there are two different types of 5G. Um, T-Mobile and Sprint. 5GA and 5GB. Well, it's just two different types of technologies, the, the way that they want to handle it. 5G is, is uh, so T-Mobile and Sprint want to use um, these like lower bandwidth that is better for rural areas because the signal strength is stronger. Okay. Um, but it's not as fast as what um, uh, Verizon and AT&T want to do. They, they want to use this technology called millennial, or excuse me, millimeter wave and they use higher frequencies uh, to deliver the connectivity. So it's a shorter distance in terms of the the, the, the power, mm -hmm. right? So the towers can't connect as far okay. as the lower bandwidth, but you get faster speeds as you can like download a movie in like five seconds. Okay. Um, but what experts say is that for rural areas, the lower bandwidth, uh, the lower frequencies, uh, even though it means it's not as fast as 5G is in the cities, it's still way better 
than what even LTE service is for rural areas today. Okay. So okay. that would be a huge, I think, hurdle that, you know, could be overcome soon. Anyway, so I, I want to talk about that, uh, but we'll talk about that next week uh, as we continue. And I'd also, again, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, if you're listening to this, presumably um, a rural area is where you would, you know, like to live or at least like to visit. Uh, so what what are those drawbacks? Is it yeah, there aren't any jobs there. Uh, is it the connectivity? Is it schooling? Is it healthcare? Is it a combination of the above? And how feasible do you think it would be if what would ha- let me let me put it this way? What would have to change in order for you to say, okay, yeah, now I think that it's worth it. You can email us again, forty acrefool at gmail dot com. You can also tweet me at Cam Edwards. You can use the hashtag 40 acres and a fool. Uh, I have a couple of emails to get to. Uh, one from Bob, who uh, wrote in. He says, Cam and Missy, as I listen to the podcast, I can't help but notice and enjoy hearing Missy e laugh again, <laughs> often. He says, it's been a while since we've heard such a relaxed Miss E. Welcome back, so to speak. I'm glad <laughs> things are going better now. <laughs> Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, Bob says, uh, I've recently been binge listening to the podcast due to moving into our new house. Yay. He says, the finishing touches are complete and we're moving our belongings. He says, we're only moving 50 yards. So it's a strange move. (laughs) New house. Literally. They built a new house. Right? Okay. Uh, Throwing things in a box, throwing said box in the side-by-side, and unloading into the new house. No real packing. Unfortunately, it's taken a lot of trips. We'll hire out the moving of the furniture, leave that to younger people than myself. Yeah, right. He says, uh, due to all the rain in the building process, we did not plant a garden this year. I've been tending to the apple and pear trees and the raspberry and blueberry bushes. Naturally, we are racing the birds for berries. Yeah. He says, we have managed to score quite a few raspberries. I lost the race for the earliest blueberry bush, but I have managed to pick a few blueberries from another. One more bush to go. He says, I do need to plant more, but that will probably be the case. He's also planning on building raised beds this fall. Nice. Yeah. Bob says, I'll put them in place and cover the grass to get a head start on next year. This coming spring, I'll move them, plow the ground underneath, move them back, and fill with a topsoil peat moss manure mix. Hopefully, that'll be a good medium to grow vegetables. Uh, in the meantime, he says, we've joined a CSA to have fresh produce for the summer. That's what we have. Topsoil, yeah. peat moss, and manure yep. in our raised beds. And it's great. And- now, we did not, we did not plow before we put it down but what we did do is we put down some hardscape cloth yeah we did it on the on the bottoms of ours but we were, ours are the like the aluminum frames that are only like four feet by four feet yeah um bob says i really enjoyed the last past tense current events i learned something about myself or really accepted it bob says i probably <laughs> knew uh, deep down uh this was on the fights between the rights or oh. the fight between the right the oh, fights okay. on the right. And um, and I, I did ask Bob a follow-up about what exactly did you learn about yourself, Bob? Oh, okay. And basically it was the uh, the fight between, you know, the, 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 the political versus the philosophical mm. and where you end up coming down. Uh, Bob says, disappointed to hear about NRA TV. I've been listening to Cam and Company for many years. I certainly will miss it. And uh, thank you for that, Bob. Hopefully you will not have to uh, miss it for too long or at least some variation thereof uh hopefully we'll have news on that in an upcoming podcast bob says that's all from this farm and fool for now (laughs) as always i look forward to the podcast it reminds me of listening to the radio as a child we waited for the radio to start gathered around the radio and waited for every word simpler times but good times probably less bleeping probably less bleeping back then yeah 
Although Bob Hope did have a uh, really funny joke, apparently, on radio. Oh? Yeah, there was a skit where he's playing a detective, and he's tied up, and uh, the beautiful Maul uh, is, is trying to help him uh, get untied. And he says, I've got a knife in my pocket. And, uh, and she reaches into it. It's this is all radio, right? So I got a knife in your pocket, in my pocket, reach in there. And she says, I, I don't, I, I don't feel anything. I feel, or she says, I don't feel a knife. I think I feel your keys. And he says, well, if you go a little lower, if you go a little lower, you'll feel a little nuts. <laughs> and that would apparently made it past the censors. Ah. Uh, Bob says uh, continued blessings on both of you, Bob from the Two Bricks Farm. Thank you so much Thank for you, that, Bob. Bob. Uh, Sean writing in from Oklahoma as well. He says, "I'm sorry it's been so long to write to you all. I've been binging the past few weeks, catching up on your podcast from February." He says, "I'm glad to hear you all are doing better and surviving. We had so much rain." Yeah. In May and June, as you may have heard, there in Oklahoma, had several close calls with tornadoes. Had two or three touched down about a mile from our house. Eep. Scary, he says, yeah. but exciting too. Close to twenty inches of rain after all was said and done. Oh my gosh, that is insane. That's crazy for what is in Oklahoma the Dust Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and there's a farmer that I follow down in North Carolina, uh, Patch Homestead on Twitter, and he's got some swamp uh, on his property. And it is it's bone dry. I mean, it has been so dry down there, just a couple hours away. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, despite the rain, Sean says that he was able to get a garden started with peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, peas, beets, carrots, crookneck squash, and zucchini, and lots of herbs. And he says to answer some of your questions from the past. All right, now see, Sean, you really can't come back with like questions from four months ago because I've forgotten that I've asked these questions. So I don't know what this question was. I think it was about Renaissance fairs. He said we enjoy going to the castle of Muskogee for their Renaissance fair during May that we didn't get to go this year due to the weather. Yeah, Muskogee, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's right. As a castle. Yeah, I forgot about that. We never did go there. <laughs> it's like a one-story castle. Yeah, but it's, but it's a castle. It's a castle. Uh, Oklahoma now sells alcohol in stores, says Sean. Wine at Walmart. Still can't buy it on election days until voting closes. That's so stupid. That's really, really um, silly. He says, I personally don't drink, but things have changed here so much since you left. Medical marijuana is legal here, too. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. I left right before... No, I left, I left right after tattoos got legalized. Oh, I was they right were, before... No, I was. They were. They were legal before I moved. Was it? Yeah, okay. about six or nine months before we left. Okay. Uh, so the tattoos had been legalized, and the body pierce. Oh, you know what? No, tattoos had not been. Body piercing had been. No, body, body piercing had been in forever. So it must have just been in Oklahoma. Had, yeah, there were body piercing tattoo parlors everywhere. Oh, that's right. Because there were because tattoos. Because you couldn't get a tattoo. That's right. You know, exactly. You could. You you could be. Cause I remember. Standing in line with Kid One, and we're at Walmart or something checking out, and there's a mother and son pair in front of us, and the kid has like a bunch of dumbbells pierced into the back of his neck, and Kid turn, Kid One turns to me and she says, "See, all I wanted was a second pair of earrings," and I just busted a gut laugh, and I was like, "Okay, fine, you can have another pair of earrings," but yeah, after seeing this kid with piercings down his neck, it was like that's all relative, right? Right. Uh, Sean says, "I would love to have a T-shirt. Would love a make stuff one." Okay. All right, that is in the works. Uh, as far as sending sealed jarred stuff, he says be sure to send it ground. Changing air pressure can cause the jars to burst when shipped via air freight. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, he says, uh, we, my wife Joy and I, have started a new hobby together. For Christmas, I gave her a dollhouse, which she loves. I'm using my woodworking skills to create the furniture for it. Oh, we are making stuff, he says. So fun. 
Um, Yes. He says, all my best to both you and your family. Be well, and as always, have a better day. Sean Robinson from Dolphin Magic Productions, formerly Pecan Grove Farm. Right. There in Oklahoma. And and, uh, Sean sent along a picture of some of the uh, dollhouse items that he's been making. And uh, they're really, really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nicely done, Sean. Yeah, very nice. Very, very cool. So we would love to see uh, the products that you are, are, are making, the, the, the products of your labor. Uh, and again, the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Thank you again for being a part of the podcast. Anything else you want to add before oh, we wrap up? I was just going to say you're welcome. <laughs> no, like it is, it is a little like pulling teeth sometimes. So yes, thank you, you're Missy, welcome. for being a part of the podcast. <laughs> No, I don't want to. I don't, no, I don't know. Okay, all right. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. All right. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And make stuff. And we'll talk to you soon here with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Podcast Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 